Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and this is Explain This Book to Me. Today is Book 5, Episode 2. I am joined by the co-author of the book, Best Version Possible, and he is Roger Sitkins. Roger is the CEO of Sitkins Group, Inc., and developer of the Sitkins Network. Roger has trained and mentored thousands of insurance professionals and is recognized as the nation's top insurance agency results coach. He has often been the keynote speaker for insurance companies plus national and state associations. Roger was inducted into the Michigan Insurance Hall of Fame in 2015. He's the author of Winning Strategies, a monthly column that has been published in more than 150 issues of Rough Notes magazine. Roger is the most widely read of all the publications columnists. Roger is a committed advocate of improvement, believing that if you improve the life of one person, you improve the world. He graciously pays it forward through generous acts of kindness and by continuously seeking opportunities to provide a bigger, better, brighter future to those in need. Roger and his wife, Stephanie, live in Fort Myers, Florida, and have two children and five grandchildren. Welcome to the podcast, Roger. How are you? I'm great, and thank you. It's great to be with you. I look forward to it. I really love the concept of how you're doing this with the books. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, Now, Roger, in the first episode, I asked Brent three questions so the loyal readers could get to know him better, and I'd like to ask you those questions. Would you mind if we get to know you a little bit better? Sure, that's fine. Okay. All right. Question number one. Do you prefer a book or an ebook? Absolutely a book for me because okay. I'm a voracious note taker. And once I get done with a book and highlighting and notes and that, then I do a whole nother kind of a book report to myself. So books. All right. I like that. Um, now, who? Uh, what is your favorite book of all time? Wow. That's, that's so tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to give you two or three. <laughs> That's okay. okay. That's fine. Um, one of them is The One Thing um, by Gary Keller, uh, Keller Williams. I, I absolutely love that book. Uh, another one would be How the Best Get Better by Dan Sullivan, the strategic okay. coach. And then the third one would probably be Four DX, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Okay. Those are all powerful. And then I'd have, you know, we, we probably have 30 or 40 books in our recommended reading that we share mm-hmm. with people. So. Well, very good. Very good. Well, I will definitely be checking out those three books. Um, Now, third and final question. Would you say it's nature or nurture that's made you the person you are today? It has to be nurture. And when I think nurture, I think mentoring and coaching. So I've been, Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate to have some great people in my life that have helped me. So nurturing. All right. Very good. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us. Um, Now, for those of you who are keeping score at home, we are recording this episode on Thursday, February 10th, 2022. And in today's episode, we will be covering chapters five through eight of Best Version Possible. And we'll have one more episode after this one. So let's go ahead and get started with explaining this book to me for the book Best Version Possible.
So chapter five is overcome, this too shall pass. And you begin this chapter by asking the reader if they've ever presented an idea to their team and heard the response, oh, that won't work here, because in the back of their mind, they're thinking to themselves, this too shall pass. And you warn the loyal readers that in order to begin the transformation process to achieve their BVP agency, they have to gain buy-in from their team. And when you write about a team, you're writing actually about culture. So you write that most agencies start with a new process that they want to implement, but they don't ask for input from the people that will actually implement it. And you state that you have to start with culture first, gain buy-in, and then move to process. And the buy-in process comes in three stages. Stage one is where you focus 80% on culture, 20% on processes. Stage two is where you focus 50% culture, 50% processes. And then stage three, 20% culture, 80% process. So Roger, how does an agency owner begin that conversation with their team to work on culture? What recommendation can you give to them so that their team believes that they actually want to change? Well, first of all, what we have to define culture. And in our world, culture is the language and behaviors that are normal. And so, okay. you know, some agencies have very specific goals, very specific critical success factors. They're always talking about them. And they literally speak the same language. They actually have a sale. You don't, is it a sales language or is it a service mm -hmm. language or a good combination? So okay. when we do that, we, we begin with the end in mind. We have to gain buy-in from the people about what needs to change, what needs to improve, or as we're now getting people to focus on what does the best version possible of our agency look like. Okay. And the way you get people to buy in is in today's world, it's not like in the old days when the boss would just walk in and say, here's what we're going to do. And it was a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. In today's world, you, you want people to buy in. And we find the best way to get people to buy in is if they understand where the agency's going, they okay. understand the why, you know, begin with why the Simon Sinek book. And in mm -hmm. all of this, it's they have to become part of the design. If they're part of the design, it's hard for them not to follow it. If they're part of the meeting where everybody agrees upon it, it's hard for them to then afterwards say, well, I, I, I didn't want to go with it. But you were at the meeting. You were part of the mm -hmm. design of this. You already, you already said this is exactly what we should do. And our, right. my, our favorite saying, we teach managers this all the time. Once you get people to buy in, and on the producer side, we have a producer performance agreement, then we have a high performance mm -hmm. team agreement. But once they buy in, then the manager's job becomes much easier because he or she can simply go up to somebody and say, please help me understand why you're not mm -hmm. doing what you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you were there. You signed this document. Help me understand why you're not doing it. And that creates it's a going mentoring from that, discussion. That me to we yeah. um, mindset that we'll yeah. talk about in just a, a little bit. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so you then turn your attention to why traditional training fails, and you give three main reasons why it fails. So number one is not everyone gets the training because normally half of the team is sent to a training, and when they leave, they get airport amnesia, and we put that in quotes, yeah. or if they watch a webinar, they experience Zoom zone out. Number two is it's an event, not a process. And studies have shown that 84% of the ideas and lessons from traditional training programs are lost within 90 days. Yeah. And then number three, it lacks community. Um, and this is directly a quote from the book. If only a few people get trained, it isn't good training. If it only happens once, it isn't good training. If there is no enduring community, it isn't good training. 
So Roger, how does what you do at Sickens differ from traditional training? Well, we absolutely attack those three things. Most mm -hmm. training is just information. It's short-term information, information, information. It's not transformation. Mm -hmm. Transformation okay. doesn't happen overnight. I can go to the, the one-day event or I can go to a one-hour webinar. And again, 90 days later, 84% of it's gone because it was a one-time yeah. event. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first of all, how do we attack the not everyone getting trained? We get everyone trained. We get everyone. <laughs> this comes back to the culture. We get everyone mm -hmm. speaking the same language. We've got a, a central focus that we go on. So ours is a holistic approach. So all client-facing employees are going mm -hmm. through our programs at the same time. Okay. Because we want them to speak a common language, to think about strategies and behaviors in a common way. Um, yeah. Secondly, as far as the event versus process, well, we just we do a every once in a while we'll do a one-time event. But mm -hmm. literally 99% of what we do is an ongoing process of learning, reinforcement, and refinement. Okay. And then as far as the community, well, it's, it's just getting people to not just go through the training and the individuals, but it's, it's the sharing with other like-minded agency owners, agency producers, agency service team. So, we, so many of our programs, like our monthly forums that we have, we have multiple mm -hmm. agencies on there, and they're going into breakout rooms with other people. But they, you know, they are some of our clients coined this a long time ago. We speak Sitkins, you know, it's our own language. So gotcha. it's just constant reinforcement. Yeah. So it's not, yeah, the one off thing where you go to a large conference once a year, you get all jacked up and oh, yeah. hyped up, and yeah. you come back and it's like, oh, yeah, let's get back to, to the daily thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a, yeah. a continual process. Well, very good. Um, now with that, we're actually going to move on to our next chapter, which is chapter six, simplify and focus. And you actually reference back to chapter two, where you write about the road trip to Chicago and say that a reasonable person would either fly, drive, or maybe take a train. Um, they wouldn't start off by taking an Uber to the airport, only decide that they were going to you know, ride a bike the rest of the way. Um, you state that this is how leaders act. Um, they begin with a great idea, and then two weeks later, they move on to that. And I would call that SOS, shiny object syndrome. And you guys aren't the only ones that can come up with acronyms. I, I love your acronym. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> there you go. Um, or, you know, the leader decides that to become a BVP agency, they need to tackle seven different initiatives all at once. Um, now, fortunately for the loyal readers, uh, the Sickens Group has three steps to help you out with this. Number one is quit the gimmick of the month club. Um, now, Roger, is this why agencies need to invest 2% into training instead of the, I think it's 0.4% that they normally do? Are those numbers correct? Yeah, they're correct. And the best practices study the average agency, and this has been consistent over several of the studies now, 0.4% mm -hmm. of their revenues in the training and development of their people. And okay. so much of that is either to keep my license, I've got my continuing ed in my state, or to keep my my certificate certification that I have. And mm -hmm. the American Society of Training Directors, I believe that's the title of it, came out with a study that shows that the, the most profitable and fastest growing professional services firms, which an agency would fall into, invest 2%. So yeah. the, the gimmick of the month is not just what they're investing, it's what they're investing in. And it's, it's your, I love your shiny object syndrome, it's SOS. And here goes another squirrel, look at that bright and shiny. And they just chase the latest fad. And there are so many of them, I, I get frustrated and I feel sorry for people that fall for the gimmick of the month because they think 
if I, if I go to that one-hour webinar, if I buy this new app that nobody's going to use anyway, uh, mm -hmm. that, that's really <laughs> going to make a change. And they're, they're, yeah. looking for, they're looking for immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. And someone said, I read the other day, someone said, the only problem with immediate gratification is that it's not quick enough. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, and so they think, well, that didn't work. Let's go over here. That didn't work. Goes mm -hmm. over here. And it just, it, it's just, a, a, it's bouncing around all the time. And you, yeah. and you can wind up being semi-successful doing that, but you'll never be great. You'll never be the best version possible. Yeah. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, all right. So number two in the three-step process is to ignore the wisdom of the crowd. Um, and this makes me think of the saying that our mothers would say to us growing up, if someone jumped off a cliff, would you jump off too? Um, uh, I just had a flashback, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. um, number three, uh, start delivering excellence in every process. So this is DEEP acronym, um, which we're going to talk about a lot uh, today. This is where we get our, um, or yeah, this is where we're going to spend the rest of the um chapter. Uh, so you write that in order to make significant gains, you need to focus on strategies that will compress time and accelerate results in a predictable way. And so you guide your clients through a series of 90 day deep dives by utilizing your strategic project implement implementation tool, uh, which is spit. So once the spit is completed, the first page summarizes what everyone will focus on. And the second page is the management action plan map, which tells everyone when to complete the task. So Roger, when I was reading this page, I thought to myself, how will I know where to start? And then the very next page, when I turn it over, answer that to me. So can you tell the loyal readers what they, uh, what they should use to begin their first deep dive? Well, the, the deep dives happen after the core training. So we, we okay. as we, we take the, the producers, the sales leaders, mm -hmm. the executives, the service team through their various programs, that's the core training. It's foundational. And then okay. once you're done with the foundation, you're, you're thinking the same way, we're getting aligned as a team. Then it's a matter of saying, all right, now we had all these great ideas. Which one will have the greatest impact on us, most important, highest impact on us within mm -hmm. the next time? And what we find is that people go very shallow on a trivial many things, and they never go mm -hmm. deep enough on the vital few. So as we've gone, as we've developed this and, and now doing the 90-day deep dive, so it's got core training, let's take one main topic now for the next 90 days, singular focus. And it's it, it, you really can't do more than that. It's Several yeah. times we've had people say, you know, if it weren't for all these clients I have, I could do everything you talk about. And you have yeah. to carve out the time to be great. So the deep dive, mm -hmm. the, the one where we normally start, and it's not not everybody's the same, but normally mm -hmm. it's it's going to the high performance team because we've, we've got to get the high performance team working as a team. And once okay. we get that in place, then everything else becomes smoother. Okay, very good. All right, and we're going to learn a lot about the high performance team um, from this book. Um, now, from the scorecard, you tell the reader to narrow down their top three and then pick the number one. Um, so, and as part of the first deep dive, can you talk about the agency's improvement cycles or the improvement cycle and how will the next three chapters help them through that process? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so give us kind of an idea of what the agency's improvement sure. cycle is. It's really four things, and okay, we're huge in simplifying things. Is like you've already figured out. Okay, we want to keep it simple. Yep. We want to get focused, as as we said. Uh, the first thing is alignment, which we, I mentioned real briefly. We've, mm -hmm. we've got to get everybody 
same goal, different roles, and getting okay. people aligned. If you've ever been driven be- down the road, you're behind a car that's out of alignment, and you can see mm-hmm. it looks funny, like it's going down a little bit sideways, and it's shaking. Well, that's what a lot mm-hmm. of agencies are, because sales and service and leadership and operations are not all aligned. So we think of the four okay. tires on a car, sales, mm-hmm. service, leadership, and operations. And if yep. they're lined up going in the same direction, things are pretty smooth. Uh, the next thing we have to do within that is we have to get f- the producers focused on one of the key k- the KPIs, key performance indicators, TSS, mm-hmm. time spent selling. And our goal mm-hmm. there is to get the producers in the green zone versus the red zone. And green mm-hmm. zone, green like in making money, what are the mm-hmm. things the producer should be doing? What are what are, what's, What is their job really? How do we define their job? And our right. goal is to get the producers in the green zone 80% of the time. The next mm-hmm. stage then is to retain and replicate our clients. Okay. Most agencies, and this is good news, bad news. Most mm-hmm. agencies have a 85 to 90, 91, 92% retention, even if they don't do anything we talk about. Mm-hmm. So our real goal though is to say, how do we improve intention two, three, or four points? But more importantly, how do we replicate our best customers? All right, so mm-hmm. retaining and replicating is next. And then finally, we move to obtaining new clients. Okay. Most people start on selling first. Mm-hmm. We're at sales day one, but we want to get that foundation in place, get the producers freed up to do what they do best, create raving fans out of our best clients, especially the top 20%. Here's what we call the BFO blinding flash of the obvious. 90% (laughs) renew, less than 10% refer. Why? Well, there's some real Hmm. easy reasons to figure out. So that's that's the cycle we take them through. Well, very good. Um, So the next part of the book, you just kind of went over the same goal, different roles, um, you know, retaining, obtaining your ideal clients. now, as far as once the agency owner um, has defined the role, they need to set up a regular meeting to meet with the team. How often should teams meet? Well, first of all, keep in mind it's mm-hmm. the owner leads the discussion. Okay. That helps with the design of it because again, we, we okay. don't want to come in and say, "Here's what it is." We, okay. we want the team to buy in. Okay. And then, as far as the high performance team, that's a mm-hmm. weekly meeting. As far as okay. the overall team. In the perfect world, it's tough to do, but in the perfect world, there's a monthly state of the agency meeting. At a minimum, okay. it should be quarterly. The worst okay. one is the, hey, let's get together at Christmas time, have a party, and we'll talk about some stuff. And then it's forgotten <laughs> yeah. by January 1st. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I also need to ask about the last paragraph in this chapter, and this is directly from the book. Um, this is why the first 90-day deep dive for our clients is the one that transforms high-maintenance teams into high-performance teams. So I may be dense, but there is a specific dive that you're referring to that is not part of the agency transformation scorecard um, that you're referring to. Is it that or the first deep dive that you're less tackling? Kind of walk me through that. Well, the first one, as I mentioned, for most, yeah. once they've gone through mm-hmm. the core training, the first for yeah. most would be the high performance team. Okay. 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 And if their teams are already functioning at a great level, then mm-hmm. we would we'd either go to the the retention, improved retention, we would go to the selling, okay. we could go to we could go to a specific model, a deep dive simply on pipelines. Okay. So but for most it's going to be that high performance team because we've got to get okay. them aligned. Yeah. 
Well, then that brings us into chapter seven when we're going to focus on that. So chapter seven is transforming the high maintenance teams to high performance teams. And to me, this felt like the big chapter uh, of the book. Um, so you begin this chapter by having the reader finally arrive in Chicago. Uh, now, once they get off the plane, they pick up their rental car to head to their destination. That's when the problems begin. And you already referenced this um, about the car and the alignment. So. You're driving the rental car, it's severely out of alignment, and when they try to drive the car back um, to change it out, they wonder to themselves, the driver, how was it not noticed before? How was it so far out of alignment to begin with? Um, and so we're comparing the alignment of the car to the alignment of your team and being off, which is what makes them a high maintenance team. Um, and if you're wondering what are some attributes of a high maintenance teams, it begins with wearing the badge of busyness. So in this chapter, you describe a typical insurance agent's day and how they wear the badge of busyness. You know, it begins with exchanging pleasantries. They kind of they sit down at their computer. They have all these emails. Someone stops by to chat for a few minutes. Once they finish talking with their coworker, they've realized that they have even more emails, voicemails, and then all of a sudden it's lunchtime. Um, they go out, pick up lunch, bring it back to their desk so they can respond to those emails. They'll have a Zoom meeting that goes longer, and then they finally decide, you know what, I actually have to get some work done. And by the end of the day, they sit there and they think to themselves, I have no idea what I did today, but it was really busy. Um, now, loyal readers, does this sound like you or, or am I the only one that, uh, that has something like that happen? Um, so you write that busyness is chaos with no clarity and no focus on results, uh, which harkens back to our last chapter. Uh, instead, the person focuses on activities rather than results. Now, with this, I have two questions for you. So the first one is because I feel that I fall into this trap and I don't know how to get out of this. How do you train your clients not to expect immediate responses? Because I feel when I get the email about a COI request, they call, they bought a new car, they have a billing question, I need to respond right away. So how do we train our clients? Well, first, we'll just go back to the busyness because okay. we're, we're confusing the roles of sales and service. All right. Okay. And the producer runs around. You know, we, most of us start the day with good intentions, but at the end of the day, mm -hmm. again, it's like, what the heck did I get done today? All right. right. And we call that hysterical activity on the way to the grave, another acronym, HOG, H-A-W-G. <laughs> okay. So how do we get away from that? Well, here's the, the first problem. Mm -hmm. You said, I get the email. I get mm -hmm. this response. You shouldn't be getting it. Okay. Okay. And the, one of the biggest mistakes producers make at the point of sale is, you need anything at all, you call me. I give mm -hmm. personal service, P.S., I think PS is BS because what you're asking is you're asking for service. You're asking people mm -hmm. to call you versus saying, you know, th you know, thanks so much for becoming a client. Let me share with you the team directory that's going to be behind me to service your needs. And we give the client either we, you know, we, we show it to them on a screen and then send it to them later or face to face. We give it to them, but we mm -hmm. have the team directory. So for day to day service, you're going to call Janie. Okay. For claims, mm -hmm. you're going to call Chrissy, an accounting question you're going to call Dana. And then the last person on the list is you. And on the okay. list, we have their picture and their contact information. So for mm -hmm. all day-to-day -day service, this is where you go. And that's gotcha. one of the biggest problems is the producer says, give. they're asking to get service items. Then they wonder why mm -hmm. they're caught in the service trap. And yeah. keep in mind that as a client, I don't really care who does it. I just want mm -hmm. it done. Right. Okay. In fact, this this is a, a litmus test we do in our producer program all the time. 
we say over the next couple of weeks, look at every email you get. And be honest with yourself. Tell yourself the truth. What percent of those do you handle versus they go to a service person anyway? Okay. Mm. What percent should never even have come to you? And what we mm. normally hear is 70, 80%. Because what we're yeah. doing is we're telling the client to call us. Call me. I don't know who else to call. I'll call you. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, that's something that I need to work on separating sales and service. Yeah. Um, now, my second question has to do with what you highlight on page 53, which is high maintenance teams are activity based. High performance teams are results based. So what is an activity based versus a uh, result based example for the same task so that we can kind of look at the same task and change our mindset mm -hmm. or expectation on how to complete it? Mm -hmm. Well, there's they're really demand contact and there's mm -hmm. a, a outreach contact. Demand contact is when the customer calls or sends something in and it's a transaction. Okay. It's, it's, you know, let's define service. I think that'll help. Okay. To me, service is everything that happens in between renewal dates other than okay. an emergency in flight. So we say mm -hmm. a producer's job is like a, a airline pilot. Takeoffs, landings, emergencies in flight. Mm -hmm. Takeoffs, sell it. Landings, renew it, which we call a continuation. If there's an okay. emergency in flight, deal with it. And that's what a producer gets paid for. Mm -hmm. The producer is not the baggage handler, not the flight attendant, not the mechanic. That's the service team. Mm -hmm. So when we look at transactions that are activity-based, they're, they're just day-to-day -day service. So it's mm -hmm. everything that happens in between renewal dates goes okay. to the service team. That's okay. activity-based. Results-based is everything I do that is proactive as far as dealing with my main function, which is the green zone activities. Okay. We use an analogy that, think of it this way. Incoming air, if you were had a circle and you were in the middle of the circle, incoming mm -hmm. arrows are things that are activity-based. So they're okay. service requests, they're claims, they're audits, mm -hmm. they're quotes, they're whatever. There's all inbound activity. I'll okay. think of another circle with all outbound arrows. Those are mm -hmm. the things the producer should do. So when I'm reaching out okay. to others versus reacting to others. Okay. All right. That helps. That definitely, definitely helps. Um, okay. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified.
Very good. Um, all right, so now we move on to a topic from the previous chapter, which is the same goal, different roles, and how that applies to sales and service. And you write that everyone at the agency has the same goal of ROI, which is retaining and obtaining ideal clients, but each team member has a different role to reach that goal. And you write that both sales and service needs to focus on the four R's of ROI, which are results, relationships, retention, and referrals. Um, because as you've mentioned, um, your salespeople's role is to retain and obtain ideal clients, and your service team's role is to provide an exceptional client experience that leads to retaining those clients. Um, you then break down what sales and service needs to do to achieve the results you want. And what you found at Sickens is that the average producer spends less than half their time in sales and sales related activities because they're stuck in the service trap, which we've definitely gone over. Um, so can you explain to the loyal reader um, how the service team feels about a producer who is stuck in the service trap? In the hundreds and hundreds of agencies I've personally consulted with through the years, mm -hmm. especially in my early days when I would go in and I would visit with the agency and I would sit down and I would talk to the leadership team first to make sure that we're all on this, uh, the same focuses for the visit. And then I would mm -hmm. meet with the personal line service people, then commercial, then claims, then accounting, then the producers. But on the yep. service side, I would ask, I, I, after the warm up, I'd say, let me ask you a few questions. The first question I'd ask is, do your producers get involved in service? And the answer was always, yes. It was never, yes. It was, yes, shoulders <laughs> drop. And I said, okay, if the producers gave you 10 policy changes today, okay, mm -hmm. how many would have complete, accurate, and total information? Mm. Normally, I'd hear one, maybe two. Okay. So that mm -hmm. means there's, we'll be nice and say there were two were complete. That's, mm -hmm. an, you know, we talk about this in the book. That's an 80% error ratio. Mm -hmm. That means that when a producer's involved in service, they have a very high error ratio. If you had a, a mm -hmm. processor or, or a data inputs person that, that made, yep. er, it made errors eight times out of 10, you'd fire mm -hmm. them or you'd make them Definitely. a producer. Okay. <laughs> but you wouldn't yes. leave them in that job. So, yeah. so when, I, when I talk to the, when the service people about that, and that we talk about this now in our account manager camp in the virtual world, we say, would you rather have the customers go to you or go to the producers? 99.999% of the time, oh, I'd rather have them come to me first. Why? Because mm. they've got the, they, they're right there. They're, they've got the computer. They can put the entry in there. And the whole attitude is that we, our attitude is to have one and done. Every transaction is done right. one time the first time. And my other attitude is that, look, if you only, on a premium bearing transaction, if you only mm -hmm. get paid once, handle it once. Mm. And so this comes back to, the, I mentioned the book, How the Best Get Better by Dan Sullivan. And one of its mm -hmm. main focuses, figure out what your unique abilities are. What are your God-given skills and talents, things you love to mm -hmm. do, and spend 80% of your time doing it. And the average producer is stuck in there. So the service team would much rather have the clients come directly to them. The other thing we found, studied this for a long time, if mm -hmm. a producer gets involved in service, they talk to the client, and okay. then they give it to the service rep, and the service mm -hmm. rep is going to handle it. Well, if it's incomplete information, what do they do? Do they go back to the producer or do they go to the client? Well, most, they're not going to go back to the producer because they already screwed it up once. So now they right. chase the, try to chase the client down. And our studies mm -hmm. found that once incomplete information is taken, it takes 2.9 times efforts wow. to get it done. I call, they're not there. I send an email, mm -hmm. they don't respond. Or maybe I wind up giving it to the producer and it doesn't get responded. Mm -hmm. So 
we're handling it 2.9 rounds about three times, yeah. which is one and done. So it, it's a it's a crucial problem. The service team, that's their job. Mm-hmm. They're trained to do that. It's And yeah. it's not a producer's God-given skills and talents most of the time to get into the weeds and be detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And again, to to reiterate, where you I feel that you hit the nail on the head is if someone as on your service team had that eighty percent error rate, that you would fire them. Yeah. So, uh, loyal readers, if you're if you're listening to this and and you have a team of producers and a service team, and you're thinking, how do I you know get them to stop doing the service work? Just think about the fact that if your service team did this, you would fire them all, and you would try to find someone new. Um, now, the next part of this chapter references back to chapter four when you wrote about the BVP agency. Now, and we keep getting back to the 80%. So your producers need to spend 80% of their time in the green zone, which is engaging in proactive sales-related money-making tasks. That's why they're producers. Yes. Now, in order for the producer to do this, you've created the producer's perfect schedule. And loyal readers, we won't go into too much detail about what each day looks like. You can look at the chart, the calendar on page 58 of the book. What I want to focus on is actually the Sunday evening review. And the reason I want to focus on that is because there's someone that I personally follow on YouTube, other social media. His name is Ryan Serhant. He's a real estate agent who became famous um, for being on a TV show called Million Dollar Listing New York. He has made at least one, maybe two videos that talk about his day and how he structures them. And he always talks about that his day starts the day before, the night before. Um, so getting back to my question, can you walk the loyal readers through the ideal way to complete the Sunday evening review? Sure. It's it's one of the most important things that I personally do in leading our company mm. and for me, just mm-hmm. life overall. Um, and I'm, I've been, I think over the last, Three years, I've missed maybe four times. Some oh, really wow. good, and and the reality is sometimes I wind up doing it Monday morning. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's Saturday afternoon, but it, it does get done. It, okay, it's very simple. It's it's a debrief of last week and a pre-brief of mm-hmm. this week. Okay, mm-hmm. what happened last week? What what were the things I said I was going to do? What did I actually get done? If I didn't get it done, why didn't I get it done? Okay, and then pre-brief. Mm-hmm. What does my schedule look like for this week? What things am I absolutely going to be prepared for? Um, and then filtering down to okay, of everything I've got in my calendar and all of the projects or improvements I may be working on, I've got to get it down to three. What are the three main things that have to happen this week? And mm-hmm. then I get it down to one, the one thing. And yeah. if you read that book, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big part of this is being prepared for the Monday morning high-performance team meeting. Okay. Because what, what most people do is they, they show up on Monday with good intentions and that hysterical activity hits, and then they've got a couple of appointments, and before you know the day's gone, then the week's gone, and they've never right. done it. Or maybe even as, as bad, if you will, is they have a very, very lengthy to-do list, but it's never mm-hmm. prioritized. And the to-do list just keeps rotating to next week, next week, next week. So in the simplest form, again, pre-brief, debrief, mm-hmm. be prepared for your high performance team meeting. It's going back to the Boy Scouts, be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, before we move on to the next part of this chapter, I want to mention one final item for producers, and that is when you're working on your perfect schedule, you want to start by perfecting one day at a time, and it starts with Mondays. So this relates back to the concept behind deep that we discussed in the first episode, which is to focus on 
one task at a time instead of three to seven at a time. So now that we have the producer's head in the right direction, you turn your attention to the service team. And service members are in a primarily reactive role because they don't know when someone will need something until it comes in. And unfortunately for many of these requests, they go directly to the producer that we've talked about rather than the service team. Um, so we've talked a little bit about how to you know, kind of set expectations, but is there anything else that agencies can do to avoid this? And I'm mainly thinking about instead of new clients, how can an agency with current clients, how can they start changing things over? How can they start setting the expectations so that, you know, I'll, I've been calling Josh for, you know, the last 10 years because he's been my agent. Now, all of a sudden, he wants me to call his service team. Mm -hmm. Kind of ex explain how the producer or the service team can work together to kind of avoid that issue. Well, it, it goes back to the team directory and educating, okay. the, educating the clients. So okay. As an example, voicemail. Most mm -hmm. producers' voicemail sounds like this. Hi, it's Roger Sitkins, Sitkins Risk Services. I'm not available to take your call right now. Please leave your name, number, and a short message, and I will call you back before you hang up. It's, it's almost that quick. I'll, I'll call you back as soon as possible. Well, mm -hmm. that's not reality. So mm -hmm. you're setting an expectation the client's going to call you back pretty quickly. It should mm -hmm. say something like, hi, it's Roger Sitkin, Sitkin's Risk Services. I'm not available to take your call now. For immediate service, press 1234 to get Janie Cahill. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you do need to talk to me, leave your name, number, and a brief message. I will call you back within 24 hours or less. So okay. that change right there. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And what will happen is the vast majority of people will go to Janie. Okay. Gotcha. Because they, again, they don't need the agent to do it. They need mm -hmm. someone to do it. To do it. That's a starting yeah. point. Next thing, on your email, a lot of the email systems, you can redirect incoming emails to your mm -hmm. service team. All right. Yep. Um, on your, the emails or all communication that goes out, have your service person listed right on there. Copy them on everything. Just get as many things as you can to them. Because again, for the third or fourth time, the client just wants it done. Exactly. I mean, now, the client that says, hey, I've been calling, Josh, I've been talking to you forever. How come get someone else? Okay. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's probably a very, very, very small client. Mm -hmm. Okay. And mm -hmm. there's no disrespect there because you know, I, I get criticized, we get criticized, say we don't like small accounts. I, lo I love every account as long as they're profitable. But mm -hmm. I don't like our unprofitable accounts. But uh, many times the small business owner, and I'm a small business owner, you know, they think, well, I need to talk to that guy. No, I just want it done, you know, for the 97. Exactly. So. No, I, I completely, completely understand. I mean, when I think of that, you know, are you getting requests for, we'll, we'll say a contractor, is the owner of the construction company sending you the COI request? No. no. And you as a producer, you may not be the agency owner, but you are essentially the owner of your book. So why should it be coming to you? You have people to take care of that. So exactly. that, that's what I take away. Yeah, well, um, you're, now you're, you're, the, you're the owner of your me Inc. We, we want producers, individual producers to think as an entrepreneur. So your book of business is your me oh, Inc. Me, I run I like it as a very profitable organization. Yeah. 
Now, your final focus of this chapter has to do with the Monday morning uh, high-performance team meetings, which we've talked about briefly. Um, so you write that this meeting holds the team accountable for the prior week, sets the stage for the coming week, hence why it takes place on Monday. Um, you write that this meeting you know, actually starts on Friday when the service team leader sends the producer the agenda for Monday, and it typically goes over the same questions. So for me, I read through the list of questions, and I had this overwhelming feeling of how can I answer these questions differently each week? Um, and then I thought to myself, maybe I don't need to change my answer each week if what we are doing is either working or that's the right answer. So my question to you, Roger, is can some of these questions be answered similarly for from week to week or does it really need to be changed from week to week? Well, I hope some of them can be answered week to week exactly the same because mm -hmm. one of the questions is, are there any red flags on any of my accounts? And the answer we don't hear is no, everything's no. going really, really well. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, but don't don't be afraid to ask that question. Because all too often mm -hmm. what we've seen, Josh, is that an account leaves and the producer mm -hmm. says, Boy, I never saw that coming. I thought we were mm -hmm. really good. And somebody speaks up and said, I saw it coming. Well, why didn't mm -hmm. you tell us? Nobody ever asked me. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, the service team because they're dealing with the influencers at the account on the commercial line. Yep. Again, not necessarily the owner. They're gonna, mm -hmm. They'll be able to tell you if there's something wrong. So are there, are there right. any red flags in my accounts? Certainly checking the status on all continuations. Again, not renewals, continuations. Mm -hmm. We hope that that's always the same, that everything's on track. Mm -hmm. Checking on new business situations, that's on track. Uh, one of the most important ones and one of the ones that's the most underlooked, uh, overlooked, excuse me, is what's the status on claims? Because mm. agencies do not, the vast majority of agencies, have no claims advocacy program. CAP, right. there you go, another acronym. But they're, <laughs> they're just not sitting there. So the whole thing here is to is to have a excellent, deep communication between mm -hmm. sales and service. Now, in some cases, it's, it's multiple people on the service team dealing with the producer. In some cases, it's just one, mm -hmm. all right? Okay. But yep. it's, it's strictly saying, where are we today? Because here's what I want to eliminate. I want to mm -hmm. eliminate the producer calling the service person during the day or walking over to see them say, hey, you got anything for me? Hey, what's going on? Because that mm. ruins it. And once they're in the zone and working, you don't want to take right. them out of it. Uh, another thing that happens, this is interesting within the perfect schedule, is mm -hmm. we, we literally say, and, and some of our agencies have signs in their office. One actually has a mirror. And it's, the mirror says, is this your best version possible? Okay. Wow. And then on the bottom of it, it says producers, if it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, between 8.30 and 3.30, you shouldn't be looking in this mirror. Okay. Huh. Okay. And so, wow. <laughs> and we have a lot of agencies that do that and some mm -hmm. sort, some form of it. Mm -hmm. But the key, again, is we don't want the producers interrupting. We want the producers during their prime selling time, we call it pay time, to be mm -hmm. in the green zone. And okay. they, 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 they can do their red zone activities during non-pay time. Gotcha. Now, with that, we've reached the end of Chapter 7. Uh, moving on to Chapter 8. Chapter 8 is Make Your Future Ideal Customer Pipeline Overflow, and it will be the final chapter of today's episode. So you begin this chapter by writing that once you have your high-performance teams functioning, this allows your producers to have additional time to invest in building their pipelines. And many producers have a CRM that is full of thousands of names, but these are suspects or prospects, not future ideal clients or FIC, which is our next acronym. 
The true goal is having an overflowing pipeline of FIC, which are ones that you can serve best and make the most profit from. So Roger, how many niches should a producer have and how many should an agency have? Well, first of all, we have to keep in mind that specialists always make mm-hmm. more money than general practitioners in any profession you're at. Okay. Any, right. any profession. All right. Mm-hmm. It really, it, it varies so much by what the agency has available. And you said, how can we best serve? I'd also say it's which are the ones we can best win. Don't chase, okay. don't chase a type of account that you don't really have a competitive market with. And competition to me is a combination of services, coverages, mm-hmm. and pricing, not just pricing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best agencies I've ever worked with, in fact, it was the first one that we got revenue per employee over 200000 eventually up to mm-hmm. $275,000. Um, wow. We only had five niches, five classes of business we pursued. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the very best producers I work with right now is uh, rated $6 million of commission income, and 90% of his book of business is one class of business. Okay. Wow. Uh, the, the people that are in our sales mastery program, the Elite 50, we have several two, three, four million dollar producers in there, and they're all specialists, but a small number. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends too, just on again what's available around you. When we look mm-hmm. at the, the pipeline, and, and like you said, some agencies have thousands. It's a database of hope. You know, they're 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 addicted to that <laughs> opium, which we talk about. You know, I sure yep. hope it works out. Um, but number of niches. When we look at it and in the general population, we say you, when your pipeline should probably have 40% of your future ideal clients are in your number one specialty, 30% in your number two specialty, and then 30% just more general type of accounts that you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to win. And you've already got, you've already got a, a group of clients in that. Many times we see agencies don't even realize that you already have some specialties. You just haven't identified them. Do a book of business right. survey and just lump mm-hmm. together. Hey, how many electrical contractors do I have? How many uh, architectural firms do I have? Whatever it may be. You have some specialties there. So that's what we normally see. Okay. Well, very good. That's a $6 million uh, commission uh, producer. I mean, that is well and above what most agencies will ever produce for that that one. That's Well, there's always the exception, but if one person's done it, it can be done. Exactly. The other thing that we we get producers to understand is to get rid of your self-limiting beliefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, That producer, by the way, when he first came to our program was at 650,000. He thought he had pretty much maxed out. Wow. And uh, we we always tell producers, look, every million dollar producer we we work with did not start as a million dollar producer. They started at Mm -hmm. zero. Yeah. So you got loyal readers. You can get there too. Absolutely. Uh, um, so you write that determining your fit kind of goes hand in hand with defining your pot, your points of di- differentiation, which we're going to learn about in our next episode. So to help determine your fit, you have several questions to ask yourself, and those are found on page 66 of the book. And so here are a few of the questions from that. Uh, one, what specialties do I want to pursue? Uh, number two, what is my mass, my minimum account size and task? targeted account size um, am I going to pursue? And how many employees do they have? So is there an average, Roger, of what you want to have as far as the number of mass and tasks in the book of business? Um, you know, do you, does it need to be 30%, um, you know, mass and 40% tasks? You know, how, how do you guys no. look at that? Um, the first thing is to, to do the 80-20 analysis on your own book of business. As a okay. And the agency should do it also. The mm-hmm. 
top 5% of the accounts, you know, 99% of the time, the top 5% of the accounts in the agency overall are 50% mm -hmm. of the commission income. The next 15% okay. of the accounts are 30% of the commission income. So you've got 20% at 80. So when okay. we look at this, we say to determine your minimum account size as a producer or the agency mm -hmm. overall, and just talk on individual producer, producer, do your 80, mm -hmm. 20 analysis, determine what your average B customer is. That's okay. your, your middle 15%. That, okay. that average one becomes your minimum account size. You draw a line in the sand. You say, I'll never write another account below that. And then mm -hmm. the current targeted account size, okay, is your mm -hmm. average A account. That's what you want to okay. go after. And okay. what, you know, what most people do is they, they kind of look at these and they go, well, the, the Bs are the type of accounts I pursue and the As I get lucky every once in a while. No, no, mm -hmm. no. Make the Bs your minimum that you'll go mm -hmm. after. Because as we talk in the book, the revenue per relationship for an individual producer and for the agency, that's your biggest determiner. You know, yeah. it, it, your, the size of your book of business, size of your agency is going to be based upon your average account size. Yeah. It's a huge impact. It does. It does. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is amazing. I've I've heard Brent speak several times, and he always talks about the yeah. eighty twenty yeah. rule. So now that your FIC has been defined, it will allow you to focus on your marketing campaigns to those only. And you bring up an interesting question at the at this point in the book, which is, won't limiting myself to FIC cost me business? Um, we've talked about this. You've talked about this already um, on this episode. But in the book, you give two examples of agencies who experience. 22% of growth in one year and another experience 63% of growth in one year just by focusing on those future ideal clients. Um, you also mentioned uh, the agency, the the one that went up to over 200,000 in revenue and then up to 275,000 right. in revenue per employee. So what for the average agency, what is the average revenue per employee that we should strive for? And then what I've always wondered, when you're counting the number of employees, who do you actually include in that number? Is that every single person that works from the person, you know, that's the admin to the owner? Who is included in the number of employees to kind of figure this out? Everybody that gets paid. Okay. Yeah. In other words, everybody. Okay. Okay. Because when you look at revenue per employee, that's one measurement. Mm -hmm. but the most important measurement is spread per employee. So that's average okay. revenue per employee than average compensation per employee. That gives you spread per employee. You could call it gross profit per employee. Okay. Um, the, the minimum we look at is 150, mm -hmm. but the okay. real key is for the agency owner to go to the uh, Reagan Consulting where they do the best practices study for the big eye and okay. look at, because it's broken down by agency size. Go to right. that and just say, hey, here's what the best practice calls for. Where mm -hmm. am I today? And I'm, I'm, I'm always shocked that some agencies don't even measure that number, look at it and, and mm -hmm. say, what are we, what, what's going on here? How much revenue do we have per employee? So yeah. th that's where I'd start. Go, go to the best okay. practices by your agency size. Oh, very good. Um, well, we're getting towards the end of the episode. I do have a few more questions. Um, so you continue in the book that once you've targeted your fix, now it's time to do research on them. So just briefly, what are some specific tools or places that someone should begin their research so that when the loyal readers finish this episode, they can have something tangible to use to start pursuing this? Okay. Well, there's a, a bunch of different areas on the research. One is, mm -hmm. is when you're when you're specializing you, you have to know what the risk survey questions would be for that type of an account because that's okay. really what counts. So anybody that's not doing that now, go to the Rough Notes magazine. They've got a great tool mm -hmm. to 
producer advantage where they have all of the risk surveys, industry specific. Okay. So if, I, if I'm calling on a contractor, a general contractor, I can go in and get that. If I'm calling on a veterinary, mm-hmm. whatever. So that's a starting point. Then the second thing is just to find out once you know the characteristics of the future ideal client you want to go after, mm-hmm. it's you're really creating your avatar. Now what okay. you want to do is you got to go find out who those people are. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, the big G, Google, you know, give me all the contractors in my area and you'd mm-hmm. have it instantly. But then more important is, is once you've identified them by size, et cetera, now what you want to do is you want to go and cross-reference them against your current clients to look for, for connections you can use for mm-hmm. referrals later. Yes, I remember you mentioning in the book about looking at LinkedIn and seeing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who who do you know that is connected to those other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I love about the next part of this chapter is how you contact your fix using the current current clients um, that I just mentioned. So mm-hmm. it's COIs and it's not certificates of insurance, but centers of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you go through, like you just mentioned, look at the companies that you want to contact and then talk with um, your centers of influences, um, your current clients to see who you should talk to, what they can tell you about it. And maybe they can tell you, maybe this isn't the client that, that you would want to pursue. So they, that, that is just as important, finding out who to avoid as to who to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the final part of chapter eight focuses on the producer improvement cycle, which you break down into four areas. So the first one is their conversion ratio. The second is their closing ratio. Third, their average revenue per relationship. And fourth, the quantity and quality of at-bats. So, Roger, for the first two, the the ratios, what is a good conversion ratio? What is a good closing ratio? And can you also um, tell the loyal readers what's the difference between those two? Um, Conversion ratio is something that I stumbled across. Uh, Going to work with one of our best agencies, we were doing one of our private network members, um, Mm -hmm. private client group. We're going to do their annual sales meeting we're, and I was looking at the numbers. They were great at knowing their numbers. And so okay. we were looking at um, the number of first appointments, uh, what, mm-hmm. and then second appointment, third appointment, what happened, how many referrals did we get? And as I was go- going to meet with them, and I, mm-hmm. I was literally looking at the scorecard on the airplane, I mm-hmm. noticed that they had an 84% closing ratio, which is really mm-hmm. good. Okay. Yeah. But our overall sales were not near what we wanted, but we did have enough at-bats. What happened was mm-hmm. from first appointment, which we call executive briefing in the commercial side, to second mm-hmm. appointment, which is a workshop that we do with the future ideal client, only mm-hmm. 32% of them were moving forward. And I'd never looked at that mm-hmm. before. Okay. So, but once we got them to move forward, then 84% mm-hmm. of them wound up buying. So it's a real long story I won't bore you with today. But basically what we did is we reevaluated exactly what the story was. Most agencies are not good at telling their story. They kind of come okay. in and do, you know, look, copy, quote, and pray, and I'll see you later mm-hmm. type thing. But what we did is we we took a hard look at what the message was, and we literally had every producer stand up mm-hmm. and do their executive briefing in front of everyone else. And we fine-tuned uh-huh. the message because what will happen all too often, and we mentioned in the book, uh, we believe in flexibility without dilution. We don't want a cookie mm-hmm. cutter that, you know, everybody has to say it the same way. But what average producers do is they take a new idea and they say, okay, we're going to just, we're going to match it our way, match it our way. And they wind up diluting it down to, they might call it something else, but they're still doing mm-hmm. business the way they always did. So conversion right. ratio is 
what percent of the first appointments move forward to the second. And that includes okay. you doing a great job of super qualifying them up front, asking yourself the question, am I willing to invest any more of my time, my only diminishing asset with this person, right? A right. good conversion ratio, our best agencies, because they're doing such a great job up front, are at about mm -hmm. 75%. Minimum would be 50%. Oh, wow. And okay. the key here, again, is you make a decision because the best mm -hmm. day to lose the sale is the first day. No, no practice quoting, yeah. no unpaid consulting, okay? Closing ratio. A good closing ratio, what we certainly expect mm -hmm. amongst our best producers is 75%, okay? okay. Minimum would be 50 Okay. Now, the sad news is most people don't even know these numbers. And if you right. don't know these, where are you going to go? Revenue per relationship is pretty simple. Mm -hmm. It's your, mm -hmm. your total, you know, your total book of business divided by your clients. And the key okay. there is just to keep increasing it. And that comes back to the minimum account size and targeted account size. Quantity and quality of at bats. This is all part of the goal setting process. And okay. I, I will guarantee 90% of producers don't even know how many first appointments they need to hit their goals. For a rookie, it could be as many as 10 in a month. For mm -hmm. a, a big producer that doesn't need to add a lot of new accounts every year, it might just yep. be two or three or four, whatever it may be. But what we see is because they don't know the quantity and quality of at-bats, they get behind. Like here, we're recording this in February. Mm -hmm. Let's say that we had a producer whose goal was to have four new business appointments in January. If he okay. or she only had two, they need six this month to get current, and they don't mm -hmm. know it. They don't know it. So there's no yeah. magic number on the last one. It's all based on goal setting. Right. Okay, so we're like, what's my conversion rate? What's my closing rate? Right. Divide those out. You know, you can figure out how many first appointments you need. Well, very good. Well, thank you for going into that. Um, now, with that, we've actually reached the end of today's episode. So thank you, Roger, so much for joining me on Book 5, Episode 2 of Best Version Possible. Roger, can you tell the loyal readers how to get in touch with you? Well, the best way is uh, our website, Sitkins, www.sitkins.com. Www um, mm -hmm. Our book, as you know, is, is at www.sitkins.bvp. And mm -hmm. then uh, I think Brent's already mentioned to you, we just came out with a documentary movie about yes. the whole best version possible. And that's uh, sitkins.com backslash VIP. Uh, mm -hmm. Direct question to me. It's real simple. Roger at sitkins.com. And loyal readers, we will have the uh, link to buy the book uh, in the show notes along with um, the documentary. I, As I mentioned in the last episode, I watched it. It's uh, It was really special to watch. It was a, it was well, a good uh, investment of time learning more. Um, about how the process works. So loyal readers, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Agency Intelligence Podcast Network. And if you have 60 seconds to spare today, would you please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform? Because when you do that, others just like yourself will find us and we'll be able to impact more people because of you. If you haven't already purchased the book, then again, check the show notes where there's a link to purchase it online along with watching the video. As a reminder, we are on Instagram at explain this book to me, and we'd love it if you could follow us there so we can connect with you outside of the podcast. If you have a question or a thought you'd like to share with me, please email me at josh at agency-intelligence.com. And loyal readers, thank you for downloading the second episode of our fifth book of the Explain This Book to Me podcast, where I sit down with authors, thought leaders, and visionaries to explain the book to you and have them answer the questions that I have. Remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.